The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal Mortgage Experts can help you choose the best option for you, making the home loan process a smooth experience. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. What's up, everyone? How's everyone doing today? Great. Good. Nice we morning. Are. Beautiful day. The weather it is, is right? beautiful right now. 55 this morning when I woke up. Oh. I'll take it. What time did you wake up? Six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got up, got up a little early. What time did you roll? That's not, is that what it, what is time did I roll is, out? Like 6.34, roughly. You get more done in the mornings <laughs> than you can in the entire day. Fair. 100%. Sure. 100%. Hey, we've got a Patreon question for you guys. I'd like to kick the things off here. What is one thing you would like to never have to do again? One thing you'd like to never have to do again. I was thinking like the dishes. Like if I did not have to do the dishes ever again, I would certainly accept that. Taxes. Taxes. Oh, yeah. I hate entering in every freaking line item for taxes. It is... Like, literally, it, it sends chills down my spine. I hate it. I hate it so much. And in my family, that's what I am responsible for entering all of that information. And it's an excessive amount of work, and I absolutely cannot stand it. Well, she's got taxes. I tried to do taxes once and couldn't even figure it out. Like, <laughs> I, you know, like I don't even know what lines to put stuff on. It's, I, I'm, I'm on your side. On yeah. This. I think the thing I never want to try, I never want to do again is police call on a range. Like, if, if I ever never, never have to do a police call again, I'll be a happy man. So, yeah. <laughs> that's good. What about you, babe? Death, tax, death. Okay. If you got taxes, I got death. I don't want to ever have to go through that again. <laughs> ever. It's fair. You know what I'm talking about? Fair. Yeah, I mean, I've never experienced it. Hey, walk downs are terrible. Yeah. There's a couple of things down in here, you know. I don't ever want to get kicked in the nuts again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't. I didn't want that to happen. Didn't our daughter do it last time? It's not important. <laughs> not important. <laughs> <laughs> Who the last person that took me to a knee was, but whatever. <laughs> oh man, I love a good Patreon question, John. You got anything? I would like to not ever vomit again. Like, oh yeah, not get nauseous. Getting nauseous is never. Again, that would be amazing. Yeah, that feeling is pretty rough. I hate that feeling. Yeah, I've been nauseous for two days now. I think I have the flu, but oh, man. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all get that? Yeah. We got quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What flu? What flu? <laughs> it's not around anymore. I thought the COVID kicked it out That's of right. here. That's right. Flu's not real. COVID with yeah. its ass. Fake news. <laughs> Oh my right. gosh. Hey guys, check us out. Patreon.com slash team never quit. You can ask our, your your favorite question. You can ask whatever question you want. You can get some bonus content. You can get some cool swag, a great challenge coin, a bunch of great stuff happening over there. So check it out. Patreon.com slash team never quit. We have got a great, great, great guest in store for you guys. Ben Kesling is a you covered correspondent. That well. I did. You know, I just gu- 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 great. Yeah, I thought, yeah. Like Tony the Tiger. I have build up. Yeah. <laughs> Positive, <laughs> positive right. reinforcement the whole time here, Ben, with my crew. That's right. Fan, fantastic. As a as a uh, as a marine, I expect nothing but negative reinforcement. That's what that's what motivates. <laughs> yeah, sure. And it's so, not yeah, it's, it's not good. yelling. It's motivating. That's right. Marines Motiv- are great at that. <laughs> yeah, they, they are. Yeah. They're fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a gift. I think that's can, actually can, one of the things that gets passed we down. Can motivate all day long. All day. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ben is a correspondent for Wall Street Journal. He obviously focuses on domestic security and veterans issues. He was actually a previously national security and veterans issue reporter at the Journal's Bureau in Washington. He also has experience as a foreign and combat correspondent. So, Ben, welcome to the show, man. Excited to have you today. Thanks. Thanks very much. I'm, I'm glad to be here. The, the best part about now, as we, we're out, we kind of progress into other things, is when, when we run into each other, I'll, the pedigree, like your resume. Because when we first come in, man, there's not anything in that sucker. 
But over time, <laughs> life just haphazardly kind of drops us in these these scenarios that when you come out of them, yeah, the experience is one thing, but just it, the fact that everyone knowing that you went through it is another. So I mean, well well done on on everything that you you kind of been through in life, man. It's uh it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And it's um, uh, you know, for I've been writing for the journal for like ten years now. Uh, I started started doing this when I got out of the Marine Corps and just to be able to, to have that background, to have conversations with folks that I'm covering. I mean, as, as you know, and, and folks, you know, folks listening and watching know, um, to, to, to have somebody you're talking to, to know that they've been there or to know that they speak your language or at least understand some of the stuff that you're going through uh, or some of your experiences as you're interviewing them and talking to them, it opens up, opens up a whole world so that, um, you know, that, the art, those hard earned resumes that people have, uh, really, really pay off, uh, when it comes to, to doing something like journalism, which is, you know, what I do now. Oh, well, there's a huge difference when the journalists would show up out there with us, not wearing the uniform. The uniform was, was, you know, kind of covering their back. You actually put the uniform on your back. Yeah. That, that's, that's completely, that's like have, being inside the family and having that hobby as opposed to having that hobby and trying to cover the family. That, that's. That's completely different. And when you, yeah, you earn that one immediately. Plus Marines, you know how they yeah, are. Right. Right? You guys are your own little deal. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I mean, uh, We're fantastic. That's what you meant to say, right? <laughs> hey, look, everyone, I'm, I'm always up front that you guys are the ones that saved my ass every time I get in a jam. I, that's just kind of the way it is. I, and so I, I'm allowed to poke back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, man. So where'd you uh, where'd yeah, you start? Plus, like, where'd you grow up? Plus, we got the uniforms, man. So you, right, you know, we've got that right. dress uniform. Like, if you want to get that out of the way right now, we can. I, I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. That you guys do have the you do have the best uniforms. Yeah, it's hands down. Do There's no debating the that whatsoever. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, thanks. Uh, yeah. So I, I grew up. Uh, I grew up in. Uh, I was born in Ohio and then grew up in Kentucky. Um, and uh, uh, so. Wildcats basketball fan as a kid and all that, uh, and then uh, went to went to college, and then went to oddly enough went to grad school before I joined the Marine Corps. So I went in as kind of an old man uh, when I when I uh, when I signed up, and uh, not I don't think there was a whole lot of other infantry officers in the Marine Corps who I uh, went and got a Master of Divinity degree uh, at, at uh, Harvard Divinity School before I joined the Marine Corps, which was a, a rare thing for for somebody to do before. Uh, you know, before becoming an O three, uh, an O three grunt. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about that for a second. Was the military thing always in line, or was the the were you the faith part first? Well, I um, I don't really come from a, from like a military family so much. My my uh, some some of my granddad, my granddad, and my uh, great uncle and stuff like that. They'd been in. Uh, my granddad had been a marine. And, uh, he was, he was, uh, on Okinawa in some, some capacity, but, uh, I was, he was gone before I could ever really talk to him about it. So I don't know what, I don't know what he did there. He never really talked about it. Um, but the, the military was never something I wanted to do. And, you know, when I left high school, I actually had, yeah, I had, you know, there's always that classmate in high school. Who's like, they, they, they get the high and tight. Uh, oh, they're yeah. like ready to go. Always as, one of right? them in there. Always one of them. Yeah. So, um, you know, I had a, uh, a friend on my hockey team who went into the Marine Corps and I thought, man, that guy is crazy. I, why would you want to do that? Like, I'm not, no way I'm joining the military. That's crazy. Um, but then I went to, um, went to college, went to grad school, 9-11 happened when I was in college. Um, and then, uh, I realized if, uh, I needed to do something to, to contribute to, to my country and to the, to the war effort. And I signed up for, for OCS. And I remember when I signed up coming out of grad school, um, I didn't even know how much you got paid. Like, I didn't even ask how much, what the pay scale was. I was like, hey, just sign me up. Let's do it. <laughs> so down to the first recruiter and what, Marines because granddad was one? Yeah, I mean, essentially. And uh, I mean, they were, of course, they got the uniform, right? Uniform, like, I got it. I know, I know. I, I didn't have to so, ask right. the question. I'm just trying to make conversation with that. I, <laughs> Everyone gets your uniforms are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it was, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's what you kind of wanted to do the, to do like the, the most challenging thing that I could, <laughs> I guess. And the service that I had some family connection with. So it was, it was 
it was the Marines. And I said, the, uh, the Marine officer recruiter in Boston has to have like the easiest job on the planet because you've got Boston College, Boston University, Tufts, Harvard, MIT, like they, I, I walked into my into into the recruiter and told him I was ready to sign up, and he was like, "Okay, uh, just fill this paperwork and come back for PFT, and then uh, there you go." It was uh, it was a very streamlined process yeah. to to join up at the time when I joined up. Yeah, the recruiter um, gig I haven't yeah, really and, figured out, and, and we've been at this a while, you and I. The recruiter gig is it's kind of an anomaly because if you get in the right spot yeah. in the right town, oh man. <laughs> you never want to leave. Yeah, it, it, it truly is. And the then recruiter? you get, yeah, yeah. And they're the best used car salesman ever. Like when those guys get out, if you st- if you have a startup company or something, you need somebody to get the word out or convince you that you're capable of anything, or convince <laughs> you to do a job you don't ever want to do again. They're your guy. Yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, somebody to convince you that uh, you aren't necessarily going to go <laughs> infantry. That's not it. That's, yeah, you're not necessarily. Uh, don't I mean, worry think about, about it. that. And, yeah, and hey, look. Once you get through boot camp, just give it a sec. You'll you'll go on to OCS and be an officer in no time. Like no those time. are two things that they can they can sell that to you. You know, like, and they get you to like sign up for business, it. So. And they get you to work out, and make your yeah. muscles hurt. I mean, they make you do everything you don't want to do, and then you have to leave everything you've ever known. Shout Tell out! Me. Shout out to your recruiter. Marcus yeah. is still friends with his recruiter. He ain't my damn friend. He's what <laughs> he calls all this chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of a damn devil, man. <laughs> man, I, I, I have a, uh, I do have a pro. I had never had to do it. So as uh, you know, when you're when you're an officer, uh, you have to do B billets, which is you you come out of like whatever your MOS is, and you got to do something else. Okay. Uh, so for Marines, you can. It's oftentimes recruiting or whatever. And I'm just thankful that my B billet was not recruiting because I can't imagine. The, doing the daily slog that those guys have to do. Oh man. Uh, especially like right now. Oh my God. Uh, an environment that they're in right now. That's what I'm telling you. Them guys and gals, but or Marines, especially, but the recruiters, they're 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 something for sure. <laughs> and getting the funniest thing is watching a, like a a straight up infantry warfighter, somebody like that, get put in that position. You can tell when they're there. You can tell that they don't belong in that spot, dude. And it's the funniest thing to watch. It's almost like, hey, look, you want to piss Gunny off? Make his ass go over here and try and talk to them kids like like he needs them. <laughs> dude, it is the funniest my, thing I've ever seen, uh, my, man. My first platoon sergeant, my first platoon sergeant, um, he's like one, one of the best Marines I ever, I ever worked with or ever saw. He is um, a sergeant major now and is doing recruiting and um I, I i love watching his he like puts updates on um on uh like uh facebook and instagram and stuff and him just like getting out there and smoking smoking oh, recruits dude. yeah doing pull-ups until the sun comes up i mean he's uh, uh, uh putting a putting a, a motivated grunt in uh in charge of recruiting can you can make you can make quota pretty quick. I think. I so. tell you what, uh, the, well, I think probably one of the funniest TV shows that w- you could ever make would be putting a Marine gunny like that at a Harvard University to recruit people for Marine Corps. I mean, just the comedy that would come out of that joker trying to talk to them kids, especially after the ones we've got—twenty years of two wars, some salty summer guns, just hate everything, including the weather. Oh. So like, being at Man. Harvard and then going into the Marines, did they give you shit for that? Yeah, what that's like part of you know that's part and parcel of it, right? Like, and everybody who's been in knows that the your your fellow your fellow troops uh, will find whatever it is about you they can make fun of. Whatever you can, be, you can come in there and be like, you can come in there and like be a millionaire, and they'd be like, oh, look at that jerk millionaire, yeah. and make fun of you for that's it. That's true. Like, it's like <laughs> that's right? true. It's so. Like if the we'll rock joined the military and went in there, he's got a perfect smile. If you have a perfect, if everything's good about you and you're great, we're gonna hammer you for that. That's why they call us yeah, the grunts. Hey, the the no one, no one wants us kind of. Look at this guy's pretty smile. Yeah. yeah. How about I mess that up for you? <laughs> okay, sorry. So let's hear about when you got in. You know, having the the background of having gone to school for for a while first, and then and then coming in and being a little bit older, I think it was. Um, uh, I think it was really, really helpful for our, that first deployment we went on. Cause we, uh, I was a platoon commander for, uh, for a weapons platoon in, uh, uh, in Fallujah in 07. So during the surge yeah. when, 
when there was sort of, we went from having uh, kinetic stuff to by the end, we were walking down the middle of the street and putting oh, in yeah. street lamps. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I and, remember that. I remember yeah. when that changed and uh, uh, we were there. Oh, six, oh, seven. Oh, oh, eight was that big transition. Uh, remember I, the fact that you said it just like that, like we went from a real man, you sleeping in your body armor. I mean, they were, you were going to get hit every time you went out the door to man, they were running a, you know, races down and walking down the middle of the streets and shopping at the uh, souks again. It was uh, it was something that big, huge Marine surge that came through there. I was there for that when I started. Yeah, it was, I mean, so we were the, the sort of um, the tactic that was used was um, over, over the course of a few hours, we trucked out, um, you know, trucked out Marine platoons to different places in the city and sort of set up, um, they're called joint security stations. Right. Yeah. And it was, um, for lack of a, you know, lack of a better analogy, like little police stations all throughout the town. And, uh, the idea was to kind of supersaturate the environment. And, uh, it, um, along with, uh, well, of course I say, uh, um, I say in my, the, my book that's coming out that only, I think, uh, only Marines could try to take credit for, for changing an entire province's outcome, uh, when it was a lot more than what the Marines were doing, you know, it was the, what the tribes were doing, what the government was doing. Um, but by the time we left, it was, uh, the environment had calmed down, um, substantially as you know. Oh yeah. I remember, I mean, that's how we had to do it. If anybody's wondering what, imagine rolling into a neighborhood here in the United States where there was a lot of turmoil and unrest and people were fighting and like neighbors fighting each other, especially over the blocks. And then they just kind of put us in there, a bunch of us. So there's always one of us standing around, somebody trying to do something bad. That's literally how we had to do that. I mean, it's changed so many different times. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like beat, beat cops. Beat cop in it, right? Yeah, yeah it's I mean, like being, being, yeah, beat, beat cops. Right, right. Um, yeah, so I, um, and after my time in, uh, after my time doing that, I, uh, I deployed as a individual augmentee to, to Afghanistan, worked with the 205th Corps down in Southern Afghanistan. Um, I was one of the guys who helped them transition from, uh, from AKs to M16s and, uh, did, uh, training and, uh, training and whatnot for, for that. That was my next deployment. So, um, in a very, in a very short, uh, span, I got to see, um, platoon operations in Iraq as a platoon commander, and then got to watch, uh, stuff happening at the core, you know, like core level stuff, um, as an augmentee in Afghanistan. And it was, uh, it was sort of, it was a fascinating way to see, uh, operations from the ground level and from a higher, a higher perspective, which, um, a lot of times, a lot of times you don't get, especially as like a, a young officer, like a Lieutenant, you know, oh, that's one of my chiefs explained to me the best. He's like, take away titles, names, and everything that we have. And it's like, you and I went on, on, on adventures over there. Like, our country literally threw us on a boat, and we got to go to Babylon and into the mountains of Afghanistan, where even Alexander got stopped. And see the different dynamics and the way they fight and the way we had to integrate in there at, at, at that age is just, uh, that's, the fact that you hit both those is amazing. A lot of the guys got stuck on one side or the other, but uh, there's a couple of us that got to go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well I, well, I didn't get to go. I didn't get to go back and forth as much as uh, as uh, as a lot of folks, uh, but uh, did get did get to see both. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm very happy that I'm very happy that my uh, that during my time in service, I was able to see Iraq and Afghanistan, and it has um, it has paid off immensely with me. Um, you know, like kind of fast forwarding to now with me covering, uh, the Pentagon and covering our, uh, the military, because I was, I was able to see those things and can ask practical questions of folks in the Pentagon and folks in Congress and the white house about, about all those things. Uh, but that's one of the tangible benefits of going to both those, uh, combat, um, combat. Well, uh, I, I don't think they estimated that either when they sent us in, because the people who are running the show right now are the same ones that are running it when we went in. And then we went in there to both spots. And granted, I mean, we got hit by, I get all that. But all that, everything they ever told us why we had to go in there, the gunfighters, the young kids, we're back. And we're grown up. So, I mean, if you're going to say something to me about, or say something to you about what's what fighting's about and why we need to go over there and do that, they better be sure. Because you and I are now. I mean, we, we know what goes on over there. Now, look, we had to live there. 
the kids that were sent in at the beginning of the war yeah, are now kids. the ones running freaking grown now and grown yeah 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 now we're uh, now we're middle age middle age right uh, <laughs> with two wars and a pandemic freaking biblical free you know i mean whatever else you want to throw at us well maybe we i mean some of us made it back yeah <laughs> and we're tired and we're tired, tired. yeah <laughs> pissed off and tired man and it, and it, and it's not it's not all the deployments and it's not all the combat stress it's the fact that we all got kids now that's, that's right what that's what ha- bro you said that famously i was like man where'd all the stress come from I was looking around I was like damn kids man <laughs> So what is your, your, you've got a book that uh, is coming out, the uh, Bravo Company. What, walk us yeah. through that whole, like what you talk about in that book. Sure. Yeah, I've got a book coming out called Bravo Company. It's published by Abrams Press and it comes out on November 1st. Uh, and it's, it follows the sort of thumbnail sketch of it is it, um, it follows a, an army, a army paratroop company, uh, the 2508. And their their 2009 deployment to Afghanistan. They went to the Argandab Valley. Uh, they had uh, they had uh, a pretty rough go of it with uh, with IEDs. Um, and then it uh, and then it follows them in their 10 years of of coming back from combat, uh, coming back from conflict. So uh, the book, uh, you know, we've we've all read books about uh, about time in combat. A lot of times they're personal memoirs. Um, this one, I'm not in it. I talk about I talk about this unit because uh, I did not want to, I didn't want to, uh, uh, I wanted to tell their story. I didn't want to tell my story. And uh, as anybody who's, who's talked to a veteran or uh, talked to somebody who's been in knows by talking to them and, and getting them to open up to you or telling their story, you tell your own story uh, in, in, in a sort of roundabout way. But the book follows the workup, the deployment, uh, sort of the deployment environment, like it gets, uh, zooms out to about 10,000 foot to DC to see what policies were sending, uh, these, these men, uh, and they were all men at the time because it was 2009, what policies were in place to send these men to where they ended up having to go fight. Um, and then follows them when they get home, the people who have had struggles, the people who have had triumphs, uh, and in, in between, that's kind of the general, general thumbnail sketch of, of the book. That's awesome. Did you have the support of everybody that was in it? I covered the I covered this group Bravo Company. I had uh, gone to one of their reunions a couple of years ago and wrote about it for the Wall Street Journal. Um, and they had a really they had a very unique reunion where they they were having such issues with um, with with support and mental health uh, mental health support about ten years down the road that. The, the VA actually decided that they would do a, a pilot program with them. They would have a reunion where they brought the entire, the entire unit together and a veteran service organization um, paid to have all the men come together. Even those who are still on active duty, the army gave them special leave of Liberty to come to the reunion. And the idea was we often go through our time as veterans as sort of like free floating entities. And I know that anybody who has, anybody who's gone to the VA uh, or knows somebody who has gone to the VA can relate to this. You go in as an individual, right? And you're, whatever you're going through is an individual fight and you're given an individual therapist with an individual treatment. And you, it's almost as if we forget that we were part of, we were part of a team and part of a unit when we deployed um, whatever service we were in. And so this reunion that the Bravo Company did, it brought them all together to remind them that they are members of a team and they need to rely on each other and they need to support each other. And through that, the sort of strength of the group will bring strength to the individuals. And that's, that's the sort of the impetus of the book. And I, had, um, I went to that first reunion and then I was able to stick with these guys and talk to, talk to the men who are in the unit um, with extensive interviews, um, and talk to some of their, uh, some of the survivors of those who had, of those who had died. And, uh, it's a comprehensive piece of reporting, uh, rather than, rather than just making up stories. That's so awesome. Do, are, so did the VA decide that that was a program that they want to continue? 
the VA is still not uh, not decided whether this is a program that will be um, that is is going to be uh, supported in the long run. Uh, it does. I mean, it does take some some VA VA support to do these uh, to be part of these reunions. They bring they bring counselors in to to uh, to make sure that uh, for, for for Bravo Company, they brought counselors in to make sure that everything didn't devolve into telling old war stories and dirty jokes, which. As anybody who hangs out well, with uh, I mean, there's, employed with, <laughs> think about something that. Something to that. <laughs> if that's the stuff that comes boiling out of there, and I, with the team guys, we still meet. Uh-huh. Like we still get together yeah. and do stuff, and that's what we talk about. And guess what? No one has any problems. It's like when you keep that stuff bottled up. Well, you're just going to think about it. You have to get that out. You either got to write it down. That's why we do that, or we have to speak that kind of energy and tone out. And the only people that can relate are your buddies. I don't know how yeah. this happened, but when you sign up, you never get out. Mm-hmm. You may take that uniform off, but your ass ain't getting out. Matter of fact, when you're rotating back to the world, it's like now you're trained. When you're in the military, you're mm-hmm. in training. When you rotate back to the world, that means you, we've said, hey, you're good enough to put your civvies back on. Now go out there and act like a soldier, sailor, airman, marine, coast, coasty, whatever. But there shouldn't be a gap. I, I don't know how that happened. But like we're coming back in the fold. What's the first thing we need to fix? Well, especially with these wars, because they were so long and intense, and there was just it was nonstop. You can't uh, tell me that so we long. could. They send us away from our house, we're just living in a tent, and we get be- the best medical treatment. Our guys get patched up. We get all the stuff we need over. Not even home. We're not even at home when that happens. Mm-hmm. So I know mm-hmm. when we come back here, it's not a thing. Because our average age when we're over there is in our young 20s. Hell, I thought when you were 40 years old, you were almost dead before I retired. I, I didn't know that 40 was like the when you start. I didn't know that. So you see our colonels and generals, and our, you know, you're like, 42, dude's about to die. I, I love you, colonel. I mean, you retire, and I, I, I'll be at your funeral, bro. You know, they, With us, man, everyone died when we were young. Yeah. You know the difference? You know what happened to us? Death. I I'm thinking about this the other day. I was like, the reason we think the way we do is because of the amount of dying that's been around us. Most people have to wait till they're in their 70s and 80s before they start experiencing their closest friends dying around them. That's why we act the way we do. You can't even help it. You got a, a merit badge from from way up the line that you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have. That, that's how that happened. Yeah, I, I really like the um, you know, what you said about uh, about you never take off. Or even when you take off the uniform, you don't take it off, right? No. Like you're still, you're still sort of inexorably tied to the, the men and women who you serve with and to the broader veteran community, right? And um, it's like I, I write in the, in, the, in the book that, hey, at West Point or at OCS, they do a hell of a job of teaching you how to, like, how to be prepared to lead troops in combat, how to prepare for what combat is like. But what they, they don't do, and I don't even know if they can do it, is teach you that from the moment you lead those troops, you are tied to them in a way that you can't understand until it's over. And that like watching this, this group Bravo company uh, and their leadership, you know, their, um, their old senior NCO, their old commanding officer is still, is still there. They're still there for them. And it's, there for them in ways that they could never have been while in uniform because now this is like this is real life man there's no like command structure that makes you be respectful to somebody um there's no reason that there's no reason that an officer automatically gets saluted and this uh senior nco doesn't get talked back to once you're once you're in the real world you got to rest on your your reputation right and like you probably see this when you're when you're doing reunions with people, there's guys who you don't want to give the time of day to anymore. And there's guys who you never, you never expected to step up to the plate. Yeah. Um, maybe when they were in uniform and now it's like, Holy cow, like, yeah. this person is, this person has become a rock, right? Military bearing. Well, you can't take that off. You got to think that when I say you don't ever take that uniform off, like when you get out and you throw your civvies on, and you start doing dumb stuff that, that you start to feel the weight because you're not supposed to be doing that where you're in the uniform. You're damn sure not supposed to talk back, up to, especially up the chain. That's what I consider my wife the admiral. That's why I don't yell back at her. You can't cuss the admiral. You can't do any of that. I, I think about that. So I mean, I I, had, I got my ass humbled quick. So I pay that respect. I, I'm center of the hourglass, down and up. But you're right. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get out, I was like, hey, man, you're not out. You're undercover. 
Yeah. It's interesting because Marcus is always surrounded by his teammates. I mean, they, they always moved out here. Like, Remember, they live around outside them. That gate. Yeah. Their kids go to school with our kids. Like, we, we're around them all the time. Even from out of town, they come and visit. But... I've I've noticed with other branches the guys don't necessarily stay as close and get together as often and um this year this the Operation Red Wing anniversary this last year um the army what was it the Green Berets and the Rangers yeah. the Green Berets and the Rangers that rescued Marcus actually got together on the army base um what was that for it was like a debrief it was the first time in what seventeen years? Seventeen years that we'd all been together. That they brought all of those guys together, including Marcus, like the one that they they rescued, and that was a really really special moment. Uh, I mean, Marcus, what what was? I mean, what is that like for for you to have? It was. I mean, it was um, to be a part of that reunion. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, hand of God, this is what happened to me. So I was, I was nervous. <laughs> you well, were excited. Though. I was, yeah, it was an anxiousness because I was like, "Oh man, you know, this is the first time I'd have been around all of them." Mm-hmm. I, I mean, all my doctors were there, everybody. Mm-hmm. And you know, I tell this story a lot, and I, I when I tell people, a lot of them don't believe me. The ones that were in the village, uh, yeah, that, that, that actually to had to come get me in the village. They showed up, and when they started telling you to, what it took to get me out of there, it was ten times as hard and as worse as I thought. Yeah, like you have. I mean, that was. <laughs> you have Marcus's perspective of what he went through, and then there's so many other people that have their perspective of what they went through to get him or to rescue the uh, remains of the fallen. I mean, there were so many different aspects to that mission, but for the army, for the Green Beret and the Rangers, that was the first time that they. Now we had seen some of them. Yeah, but what, not together. Like one-offs, you know. Like I mean, it was like a muster. Them. They yeah. pulled us all together in the warehouse. Everyone was in uniform. I mean, the whole on the nine base. Yards. On the base, yeah. Yeah, it was really. I didn't get to go, but I was involved with like setting it up, and it was a really incredible. That's uh, the first time I've got to tell everybody thank you for coming to get me. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. What does that? What does that mean? Like, what does that mean for you to be able to? Like, did you, was there? Did you did you have a weight yeah, on took, you? Not yeah, being yeah, able yeah. To say thanks? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's exactly. I took like I took a deep breath and it felt like something was off me. Did you even know it was there? I had no. Was it just no, I didn't know like, it. I had no idea. Isn't that funny? I had no idea that that weight was even on there. I didn't even know it. It's but it's not. That's not. I mean, that's not unusual. Not. I mean. It seems like. Oh man, how could you not? How could you not recognize that? <laughs> like, if you're walking <laughs> outside, it's like. What a dummy. He should have known that. How right? did you not know but that? Like, didn't. That, but I mean, your, you know, your story, your story is one that, uh, I mean, it, it's incredible, right? It's like, uh, it, it, it's an incredible story and it's something that like most of the people who've, who have served maybe don't, don't have that as objectively wild a story. Right. And, but yet like, and I, I talk about this in the book, right. Is, um, one thing that we can do for each other and that folks like you can do is have this, like this graciousness to, uh, to say, look, we're not comparing the, the depth of the depth of the, of the objective trauma that we went through. Right. Because we can never know what is in the hearts of our fellow. Yeah. Yeah. That's man, right. That's right. right. And I think that one of the things that is so great about folks when they, do reach middle age and are tired as hell because of having so many kids. But when they do reach this age, right, is they can have that perspective um, to say, look, uh, I can, I can have the empathy for, for other folks and allow them a spot to, uh, to be grateful for it, to, to say that. Thanks to the teammates, even if it was, I mean, it might've just been a standard infantry employment, but to say, Hey, look, you guys have the same weight that I have. Mine is just much more publicly known, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like you're in a you're, oh, you know that's well, a, that a unique too. spot to be in. But it's like that. That's why we name those operations. It's like if you get if you're in an operation that has a name, it's like you're in that operation, like on the table. Yeah. Everyone carried that weight. 
Well, like your Bravo. Yeah, I mean, that, them all, they all feel that. No matter if one of the guys goes through it, everyone's going to carry some of that weight. For sure, man. And I, uh, the, I think one of the greatest things is, I, is because I know how hard things are to obtain, watching everyone else come get me and going through the numbers to, to get in there and do all that. And you, and you see them and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't do nothing. I was like, man, not from my point of view. Mm-hmm. Not from my vantage where I was sitting on my cliff with my angle. I was like, not only did you do your job. I mean, you did it because you couldn't see some of the variables that I could see. They, they get eliminated for you when you're, when, it, when you're doing your deal. That's the blessing about having your boys around you. They'll come up and tell you like, hey, man, I don't know if you know you did that, but it was, I mean, like, good job. I was like, ah. Well, and back to your point of like not comparing trauma. I mean, it's not about that. It's about right. the camaraderie right. and sharing that when you're out. Like that's how messed up the military is. Yeah, we, we had, only compare our traumas. <laughs> <laughs> we had um, on the podcast a few weeks ago, Jeff Peterson, aka Spanky. He was uh, the pilot that came in and actually pulled him out. And just his experience, his perspective on it. And when he was here, he was like, you know, I didn't I didn't have to go through what you went through, like, you know, comparing trauma, but it was traumatic for him. I was like, yes, it was you a completely did. different kind of trauma. And mm-hmm. and even if it's not trauma, like let's not just slap a, a, a negative term to it. It's 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 shit. They went through some shit. Yeah, man. And <laughs> Everybody got a big old bite of it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know how you want Do you want to yeah. taste mine? <laughs> it tastes just like yours. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you're right. It's not, I mean, to, and to talk about it as, um, to talk about it as trauma, right? Like when we say somebody's experienced some sort of trauma, the, uh, we automatically assume that it's going to immediately bring about negative, right. something negative. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. But That's there's it. like, there's there's post traumatic growth as well, right? Yes. And also like there's there's traumas we go through just by living our lives, you know. Like we all have loved ones die. We have uh, we have failures, profession, professional and personal failures. Those are all forms of that, right? Um, not to like not to like make it sound like everybody should be uh, uh, you know every, everybody should be uh, coddled at all times or something. But right. we never know. We never know what's going to affect someone positively or negatively, right? And like the stuff that you have been able to endure, somebody else maybe couldn't couldn't do it for a minute. But I guarantee they're doing something in their life. Oh that, yeah, that you know you damn sure don't want to one, do. Probably taxes. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> right, hey, there you go, right there. I'm like, hey, I'll, we'll go out there and get shot at if you do these taxes. <laughs> okay, how about that? I mean, I'll sweeten the deal a little bit. I'll work outside and mow the yard too. If you just do the, the paperwork. Yeah. All right. Well, Deal. <laughs> and trauma is like such a therapy word. And so that's why I changed it to yes. shit. Because it doesn't need to be this like, oh, poor pitiful me thing. Um, it's, yeah. And that's really what Team Never Quit, like why we started this. It's persevering through hard times. Yes, you have all gone through something. It doesn't matter what it was. Uh, could be war, could be divorce, could be cancer, you know, whatever it is. Hell, if it's something we've never even heard of. Yeah, I mean, it could, or or it could it. be like uh, the Herzogs in Connecticut, yeah. the rare disease. I mean, like if you're, it, if it you're could an literally anomaly. be anything as long as you persevere through that and have some sort of growth and set the example and setting the example to move forward, then you know, we're all here and we need that support system. So I, and you know, I really, I really liked, um, you know, Marcus, what you said about being able to say thank you to folks and how you, you need, you know, you, you alluded to the, the idea that having your, having your, your group around you, your friends, they can, they can give you, they can tell you what you're doing well. Right. Or do like, at one point I say in the book, you like, no man is an Island. We're not doing this on our own. And um, you need people around you who love and care for you and understand you. Uh, on one hand, to call you out on your bullshit and, and tell you what you're oh, doing yeah. wrong. You got to have but, them. But also, yeah, but also to people to say, "Hey, you're doing this stuff. You're doing something right. You're doing something well, and you're not giving yourself full credit for it." Right? Um, and I think that that's sort of uh, <clears throat> kind of what you were what you were talking about being being part of that group and uh, being around your team and uh, and being able to 
have that reunion with people who understand you that you can talk to. That's uh, it's a uh, you know it's not it's not something to um, it's not something to to take lightly. I like to have that. Support I, I don't know why we do this, but when we do do this, but think about it like this. Think about the weight. So I, I got into that situation. Our team got in there, but the boys who had to come get me out, everyone knew who they were. In the middle, I mean, like, hey, if they didn't successfully get me out of there, you can bet your ass they would. I mean, it'd been all over the place. I don't know why we do it this way, but we do. The stress that it took to get me out of there probably exceeded the amount of stress I went through in that gunfight because they were in one to get me out too. I mean, and they had one left. They had one pin left. Everything, all the other ones were gone. And they had to come get those. Yeah. They had to police their brass. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that's the way, we, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. What I mean by that is they had to come pick, we don't leave anything behind. Yeah. I mean, not people, our product, <laughs> anything. So the boys, not, they had to go back in and see that. Mm-hmm. Then there's the weight of them not being there when we went through it. I, I don't know why that happens to us, but it does. It, it's something with the uniform, I think. I, I, I can't figure that out. I don't know why we have that. It's not a, maybe it is one of our curse or burdens, whatever, but it's a real thing. Like, if one of my brothers or sisters gets killed over somewhere, I'm immediately like, man, damn it, I wish I was there. I could have, you know, we do that. Especially if you have a skill. Yeah, I mean, you said it's a, a you know, cursor, cursor burden, right? Um, but, like, I think that you, again, like, once now you're in middle age and we're, we're a little bit older. We've gone through time in service and we've talked, to, we've done, have our own, have our own, uh, our own experience. And now we're living in the real world and have all the stuff that life brings to you. And you realize that um, a, a burden isn't, uh, it's not a curse, right? It's just like, it's what life gives you and what you're able to hold, what, what you're able to, to do. And uh, a burden, like, it, it can be a curse, but it can also be a blessing, right? And like, um, to have, and burden maybe even isn't the right thing, maybe just a load, um, yeah, or it's something you have to carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, carry. It's like lifting weights. Like, okay, so at a young age, you're going into the gym, and all those exterior uh, weights that you come on, no matter what situation puts on you, if you can hold it, when you get older, you'll have the strength from it, from lifting that weight. You'll and and people will know that they'll see you're stronger. You'll feel it. You'll yeah. look like it. You'll carry it. That, that makes that's a good, that's a great way of saying that. I didn't. And. And it's, and, um, and it's of course, not just, not just like physical stuff, right. It's all the, um, the ability to, to carry, to carry your own, uh, your own, like emotional, emotional, weight, uh, yeah. emotional experience, but to help other people work through theirs as well. Right. Cause again, yeah, we're, we're all, we're part of a team, <laughs> no matter what we so want. What, like, I mean, well, could you say that that's, that's the, the heaviest weight or is someone else's you're trying to carry? That's how you know you're really lifting <laughs> something. If you're out there lifting, trying to lift somebody else's weight with them, trying to help them through their day, man. Yeah, I, I there's uh, one of the one of the men from uh, from Bravo Company that I talk about in my book. Um, one of the things that um, it both uh, it both propelled him and and kept him strong as he was going through some he had he had horrible horrible physical um, issues, um, deteriorated back and like nerve stuff and kind of guy who's just in pain all the time from jumping out of too many airplanes and yeah. humping too much weight. Yeah. And he like, he had this, his wife was always there for him. His wife was like an ever present rock upon which he could build things. And, um, he had, he knew that like he had to get better for her because she was there. She was constant for him. So he had to be constant for her. And, they they like use this almost as like a, I don't know like to use like business terminology or something like a synergistic strength sure. right and uh, instead of instead of having the things that we carry bog us down and make us weaker it can reinforce it make it stronger like you said like you lift those weights and over time you get stronger well you know you're lifting weights for your you're lifting like emotional weights for your wife uh, for your kids for whomever and they're doing the same for you and it reinforces it and again it goes uh, to me it goes back to showing us that anytime we try to do something by ourselves in this world um it's 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 a fool's errand oh, yeah. like we're always we're always a member of a team yeah like you did when uh i heard it said birds get carried by the air fish get carried by the water people you should get carried by your day if you turn around and try and lift that sucker by yourself or lift whatever it is, man. It's too heavy. 
Yeah. It can be too heavy. That's why you got spotters. I mean, friends with you, next to you. Some of them are so, are actually designed for the situation to where it's nothing for them. But if I try to get into it, no matter and, and, and I'm sure you've seen this, bro, no matter how good we get at something, there'll always be a new situation for us. And there'll be that one person that can do it because they have, it's a grace. It's a gift from God for them. And with us, it's a, it's a hit in the face. <laughs> and we'll try to go in there and get it done no matter what. And I, that's just part of it. That's that's a, that's the irony of life, man. Living down here, some people have some skill sets that you won't possess. Uh, and you know, you're uh, you said you, you said you you connect with your uh, with your team a lot. And you're very you're you're lucky to to have that um, to have that um, sort of continuity of uh, of people who care for you and you can share those experiences with. Um, and there's a lot of people who, when they get out, they really, you know, they don't go to union reunions. Um, they feel like they're, they're doing their own thing and moving through this world on their own. And it's why it's, I mean, to have, I mean, even what we're doing right now is providing a new community in the, in the veteran space, right? right? Like by dint of you and I, uh, talking to each other, um, you know, across hundreds of miles away from each other, but we're creating that that veteran support community by talking and having other people be involved with this by right. listening to the words we say and thinking through thinking through it and being part of the conversation with us like it's it's our duty to keep that uniform on when we're out and to provide you know to provide that that network and that support group for for fellow for fellow men and women who maybe don't have uh don't have that ready-made unit reunion like uh like some some units who stick together have so it's yeah it's a it's well, a righteous, one of the best a righteous to... cause that we all have to do absolutely i 100 I, I didn't mean to cut you off my wife's great at that because she lets me get back with my buddies to go hunt <laughs> to put that uniform back on grab my rifle we go out in the middle of nowhere and hunt just like we did when we were overseas or go fishing or whatever that's still hunting I mean, it's just like, it's the thrill of that. I mean, when, no matter what, we will play paintball, ride around a truck, sit around. I mean, just as long as we're together doing that, whether we got a rifle, a fishing pole, whatever it is. And it's like, because guys laugh and you, you nailed it. They'll call you out. Like the other day I was sitting around at a table with some people sitting around and my, half my crew was there. And somebody haphazardly asked me what I do for a living now. Like, what are you doing right now? And I was like, oh, I'm a cattle rancher. And my buddy, without even missing a beat, Sits back, puts his fork down, and he goes, hold on now. There's a big difference between cattle ranching and having cattles. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. Yeah, you know, I was like, wait, wait, hey, hold on now. I'll work my ass. I need, you know, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. I mean, like, I'd have to have 5,000 head of cattle and bust my ass sun up, sun down to consider myself a full-on cattle rancher. On horseback. On horseback. Not on my four-wheeler or the <laughs> thing. You know, no matter how busted up I've been, no matter how much I try and shortcut, no matter how many cows I got, they'll always be like, look here, man, you'll never be any better than we are right now. And I love that. There's only one or two guys that ever do that to me. And they're the ones that yeah. always do it. You know what I'm talking about? And you have to have that. And uh, without it, I think we would... I don't, I don't think life would be worth it. It's taken me 12 years to realize to get Marcus's attention sometimes, I just have to call him out on shit. Just call me out and on just, it. Just like, oh, like, well, yeah, man. Just I, you can be see real it. forward. If you're straight to, if you're <laughs> head to toe legit, the minute someone calls you on something, you'd be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's the truth. I mean, and, uh, and you know, when you have somebody like when, when you're with your, with your, when you're with your, your, your boys out uh, hunting or fishing or whatever, um, you, you know, you have the ability to call each other out and you probably, because you know each other so well and have, and have been around each other so long, you can like, uh, you know, if somebody makes fun of you for like, Oh, Hey, yeah, you're, you know, there's between uh, being a rancher and having, having cattle, right. like it's, it's, you can like, you can say something to each other, call each other out or make fun of each other, but then like unpack that conversation a little bit. If oh, you yeah. have that, if you have you know, that, that community is, is trustworthy and trusting enough. And, uh, you know, I think we need to you know, cultivate the, the ability to do that, the best. Um, to do that for our fellow veterans. Just with the guys, man, that's how you get, that's how you keep them straight. Mm -hmm. I, and the laughter that comes out of that, because everyone laughs, first of all, when that, when someone throws one out like that, but if you can laugh at, at yourself because of it, you're like, Oh dude, 
Uh, immediately, there's a piece that comes with that. Hey, maybe you need to do like an online Zoom muster with just invite Y'all aren't ready random, for my friends yet. No, you don't want to meet random them. veterans. <laughs> You're not ready for it. You're not ready for it. <laughs> you just do like a Google Zoom, like open it up and just have. Well, we're, we're starting that. That's what he's talking about right now. This but wouldn't space that be is, cool? Like yeah. creating a space that's free, you know, like it's not part of the freaking foundation. No, it's a food or space. Anything. So it's just like creating this online. Yeah. Everybody hop on, whoever wants to, and just have this veteran. I think the best part about it was if we were together. Because you can also feel the energy when Mm -hmm. you're in there and kind of laugh. I mean, this is one thing. But like if we were sitting around, because these guys would start doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. And then you'll see what they like and like what they're all about. I mean, completely different animals in one pen. Marcus loves a fire pit. Yeah. (laughs) And I just, that's the thing. You start a fire at the end of the night, man, and guys will sit around and you'll hear life. Yeah, it doesn't take. Yeah, it doesn't take too long. Once, yeah, once that sun goes down, once sun and goes that down, fire's going. Fire's going. Something, something happens. Something right? happens. Yeah. Ben, what kind of impact do you feel like your book's going to have, or you would like it to have on the people who read it? I'm hoping that Bravo Company's book is. I hope that it allows people who have never been, uh, never served, who have never been in uniform, who have never been in a combat zone, can understand what it is, what it's like. The feelings, the um, the sounds, the smell uh, of of being in combat, uh, and I also hope that it helps family members of people who have deployed. I, it's the sort of thing that I want to be able to say, if um, say as a a spouse who doesn't quite understand what, um, you know, if there was a spouse in a combat zone, that person who was home waiting for them. They don't quite understand what it was, what, what happened or what I was all about. Um, and maybe there's some communications issues. I want this to be kind of book that you can, I could hand to that spouse and say, read this. And I think it'll help you understand, um, understand some of the things that your, your husband or your wife in that combat zone saw and experienced and uh, will we'll always be going through. Like, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Again, as we talk with, with uh, you know, uh, trauma, for lack of a better word. Uh, but it's something we go through and this can help ex- explain that. And then finally, I hope that for people who have been there, that this book can help um, can help give some language uh, and some explanation for feelings and things that we all that we've we've gone through by being in a combat zone um, and can show that it wasn't, you know, some of the things that some of the things that we thought were unique aren't unique. They're universally experienced things, um, whether it's the feeling of of wondering about your mission, like, hey, who am I? Who, who am I fighting here? Who are the bad guys? Like, is is this farmer um, just trying to live his life and like deal with his family or is he uh, a hardcore, hardcore Taliban. Like what? Just to try to think through some of those things. I so, remember that. Anyway, that, I hope that exact thought. Yeah, that exact thought. Yeah, I remember that happening I mean, to me. Yeah, one one of the guys in the book is uh, I I talked to him and he, you know, he said, "Hey, if um, you know, some of these farmers, maybe they were just pissed that there were a bunch of Americans like on their land. Like maybe they weren't really Taliban at all. They didn't care. They just would rather not us not be there." Because he was like, man, imagine if like, uh, yeah, imagine if a bunch of well-meaning Afghans came over and uh, oh, you can't do that to them. Your land. You can't flip that like that on no. that. That will drive them crazy. <laughs> because just think about that. If I walk up my neighbor's yard, he'll take a shot at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. mean Americans are funny like that. One thing we don't like is the taste of our own medicine. We don't like that crap, man, at all. But I, I remember that same thought walking through there one day. We were in a channelized area, and I. I, I Peeked my head over, and there was a guy there. He was he was working on that one of those little, those little huts. He was putting that the, those reeds back through there. And it mm-hmm. thought to my head, man, I was like, man, is I blast that fool right there? Because I mean, it's obviously we're in, we're in the middle of it. There's in the Taliban here and this that and the other. And I was like, wait a minute, you know, he's probably he's out here doing his own thing. And I'd be pissed if people were yeah. coming on my yard all the time. We got yelled at in Italy the other day for cutting through a pasture. We didn't even know it was a pasture. <laughs> I got some dude yelling at me and screaming oh at me. I didn't know gosh. I'd done anything. I had no idea I'd done something wrong. He was screaming at Marcus when yeah. we were walking on his land. We had no idea. And so not knowing land. I'd done anything wrong, I turned around <laughs> and someone's screaming at me. I was like, what's up? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, like, I mean, so that think about that because we don't. 
Yeah. I'm like, you, you can, life can throw you head to head with another bull when you're not even supposed to be messing around with each other kind of deal. I, I, when you're hot headed and young, if we didn't have those officers above us, especially the, the, like, I mean, think about that. I was, when I was studying Alexander the Great the other day, the average age of the men rolling through that time period were in their early 30s, late 20s kind of deal. You remember how we were at that age? If, all, if, that, if those were the elders, 33 being a damn elder, that's terrifying. No reason nothing ever got done, man, because the minute we stopped fighting, we'd start again. I mean, you can, yeah. I, dude. Being able to put that, sort of flip that perspective around, right, is, uh, I mean, from, from a practical perspective, we got to red game stuff, right? Like you got to have red teams for, yeah. Yeah. To, oh, yeah. to, to be the bad guys, right? Well, why can't we, why can't we do that uh, thinking through the way, you know, the way that, um, the way that civilians look at us and uh, have a deeper, you know, a deeper thought on that. Uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to do. That's you know? hard, yeah. It's hard to, um, that's a hard one to, to think through that, but that, that, that dude, that's, that's real hard actually. Do you plan on writing any more books? Um, I, there's no, there's no dearth of, uh, of stuff to write about. And uh, Hold on, you man, know, you're, as you're a, a two day jeopardy champion as well, man. You got plenty of stuff to go on. That, I just <laughs> want to throw that out there, by the way. I think that's one of the coolest. Thanks. That's pretty cool. That's pretty, that the jeopardy awesome. thing. Yeah, that, dude, <laughs> out of out your all your resume. other stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's other, all this stuff makes you man. You are a hey, 100%, but the jeopardy thing is kind of like a cool. The, the worst part about that is I, I lost my i was i won two games right and i lost the third game and you know why i lost i lost because i didn't answer in the form of a question oh are you kidding me the, no i'm not kidding i got oh. it right it was, it was like it was oh, another the, damn technicality the category was <laughs> it was a category it was like latin and this latin term came up and i was like i got that i said it and it was like ooh, uh. you didn't answer a form of a question i was like come on man <laughs> so anyway what was Hopefully that? Good go. time? So, that was a good time, right? It had to be. It was, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, Jeopardy. It was, there's game yeah, shows and there's Jeopardy. It was, I mean, yeah, and this was like, you know, this is back in the Alex Trebek days and all that stuff. So I miss that was, man. Yeah, it was pretty oh, cool. I, I say it was cool, right? Alex is the man, right? It was. He was like, I mean, Alex Trebek was, he was, by all, by everybody's report, he was just like a good dude. Good dude, right? And That's awesome. It's a, yeah, it's just like a loss. There. The fact but, that you, hey, yeah, Marine, uh, if a Marine cool. says that, if a Marine just straight up, like, it has to say it just like that, good dude. I uh, want to, Marcus and I want to go on Family Feud. That's the thing that we watch all the time. I'm not smart time. enough to be on Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> stick to, yeah. We love freaking Family <laughs> Feud. Yeah, oh yeah. my gosh. Steve Harvey, our, man, he's got a great show. Yeah, that's our thing that we Solid. watch. So um, good. Well, how can we, how can our listeners support you? Are you on social media or how do they buy the book? Yeah, so I'm. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at bkessling. Um, I'm on Instagram at ben.kessling, and uh, the book is the book's available now for through any bookseller. Uh, Bravo Company is the name of it, and uh, I'll be uh, I'll be doing a little bit of travel around around the country when it comes out uh, around its release. But I really I really do hope that uh, anybody who's in the veteran community uh, or or adjacent to it, I really think that you'll. Uh, I think that. It will it will inform your service, a family member's service, a friend's service by by reading it. Um, and it's it's going to be out in uh, in hardcover and uh, the audiobook version as well. I read the audiobook, so hey, if you like my voice, tune into that. Uh, <laughs> good job. It's it's available on both those platforms. <laughs> I wish Marcus would have done that. Wasn't a thing when Lone Survivor came out. That kind of started around 2010 with people reading their own books. But yeah. the guy who reads, which whoever you are, I'm very sorry for saying this, but he has a Boston accent. Oh, that, that's what gets everybody as a Southern and accent. I, I can't stand yeah, it. It's never too I like, late. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to work on it too because apparently Marcus I mumble a little bit. I don't think that I do. You I do mumble. I'm talking in cursive. All right. Yeah. First of all, it's not mumbling. But it's the elegant. guy who reads Lone Survivor on the audio has the worst Boston accent. And if he, I'd have thought about it, I'd have got the frontline guy. He goes. Yow. You know the guy on the front line? I'd have, I'd have got him. Yeah. I could listen to that yeah, guy tell get, a story all day. Dude, the dude who does all, like the movie previews. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, them guys. You know, the, the, Give me yeah. the voice real fast. This summer, and, uh, that guy. one man, <laughs> Ben Kessling. <laughs> See? Bravo Company. <laughs> 
Oh man, yeah, uh, no hey, bro, we're like, gonna do all we you, can. If he read it, the book would be like twenty hours long. That's right, for sure. It would be, yeah. Yeah. It would just be the slowest <laughs> book ever. But. That's a great point. <laughs> well, we can't wait for your book to come out, and we hope all the listeners um, look into it. Bravo Company, and follow him on Twitter yeah. and Instagram. Thanks again, brother, for doing this. Coming yeah, on, man. God bless you, you man. On. Take care of yourself. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed the conversation, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's just. Keep this, uh, keep this wider community a community. Uh, we owe it to each other, right? Yep, Roger that. We will. Awesome. Just getting Thank started. You. All right, man. Thanks, man. Enjoy yourself, man. All right. All right. Thanks, y'all. Bye.